before. Okay. Why don't we uh, Why don't we start with a word of prayer? Uh, dearly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we bless us and, and lead us, O Lord, in this one true faith as we continue to uh, persevere as your saints. Bless us as uh, your your royal priesthood, your chosen race, your your holy nation. Uh, lead us, O Lord, as we are your own possession. Lord, uh, continually grant us your wisdom as we trust in your will and we trust in your ways. Uh, bless us, O Lord, as we study Jonah and, and his plight and his struggle. Lord, for all these things, we are thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So, yes, the plight of Jonah, always. Uh, Jonah chapter 4. Almost done. We're not going to finish today, but almost done. We know the story, right? Uh, Sheldon, I know you're here. So uh, I missed you the last couple of weeks. Uh, It's nothing like not having Sheldon where you are, you know? It's just one of those things. I didn't know you guys were doing this. It's okay. But I'm glad you're here. Uh, if if uh, if one of your uh, if one of your family members uh, or your friends uh, believed in Jesus, maybe one of those that you probably thought would never believe, what would your reaction be? Oh, joy, overjoyed. overjoyed. Yeah, I. We can all agree that that is our common reaction right that the lord is working that the lord creates faith in someone and they believe uh by that very word and what so in jonah's shoes this whole this whole nineveh everyone repented sitting in sackcloth and ashes right uh uh uh, giving all glory to god and and trusting in his name a, a land full of paganism and a land full of of false gods and those that are outside of Israel, right? Uh, the, the pedigree looks like this would be an impossible situation uh, for anyone to believe. Uh, that would be our human thing. I think when we when we see people in life, you might have people in your life who are like, no way they're going to believe, right? Uh, why are we wasting our time with them? Or why do you even tell them the word? They're just going to reject, right? Uh, here we see actually the will of God happening. Jonah runs away. The Lord doesn't give up. His will will be done. Jonah is swallowed up from that storm into the water to the whale, the gray fish. There he gives him a second chance in Jonah chapter 3. A second time, arise and go to Nineveh, right? And here we find them actually by his brief summary of his homily or his sermon is that they, uh, they, they indeed repented. Now, that is a great miracle in itself. I think at the end of the day, we learn that the will of God is done. And even when we think um, it is uh, an impossible situation, uh, God definitely can stir and convict and lead uh, the, the, the humanity, uh, the heart, the soul of these people to repent. And that's why we trust in God's word and the power of his word. Now, Jonah's reaction should be what? Overjoyed. Joyous. Yeah. Should be joyous, right? Should be, uh, uh, thanks be to God that you will have said, what was I thinking all along, right? Like, why did I run away? If only we could have done this earlier and, and more people would have believed what a great thing this would be. I mean, what was I thinking? Uh, 
but thanks be to God that all these people have believed, right? What a great miracle that is. God's will is actually done because he is, after all, God, right? But what do we see? Someone can read verse 1 for me, chapter 4. But Joshua was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is it not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Did I go too far? No, that's good. That's good. Stop there. That's good. I just, it's all good. I mean, it all flows together, so it's important. But uh, verse 1, what was his reaction? He was, was he, he was angry, right? Uh, why was he angry? He didn't think they deserved salvation. Yes, very good. Uh, it's, it's like a court case where some really bad guy uh, gets let go by the judge, and you're angry because they should have locked that guy up. They should, should he shouldn't have let him go. Yeah. That's right. I don't know why I'm laughing, but it just, that's so right, right? It's, it's, uh, what's the word? And Don, you sound so clear on that phone. Like, you know, like very clear. Anyways, um, so good to hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The simple things, right? Uh, oh, man. but he did not want Nineveh, as Don said, like in a court case to receive pardon to receive the same grace that he himself had received. Now, when we talk about this situation here, uh, we know the journey of Jonah and the grace and the patience that the Lord had with Jonah, right? I mean, there are many times where Jonah should have been left for dead, honestly, in the water and then in the great fish. The Lord commanded him this fish to vomit Jonah out, right? Uh, there were many instances where the Lord could have said, you know what, enough of you. But no, he, he continued to, to walk with uh, Jonah and he continued to, to get after him and, and give him a second chance. Uh, all signs of grace, right? Uh, you know, and we talked about it this morning about uh, as, as um, Sheldon was reading right there, um, what is it about grace that really shapes how we proceed? Uh, how do, what's the question I'm thinking of? But uh, I, I think when we have, if we have the clear understanding of grace, then how, how should we ought to proceed in this very moment if we're in Jonah's shoes? I mean, we should be very joyous. And not, they don't deserve it. Because at the end of the day, who deserves anything apart from God's grace and pardon? But you think about that. I think at the same light, I think people who are self-righteous as Jonah is, after all, why does he not think they deserve it? Not only are they not part of Israel, the, the, uh, but they were considered the Gentiles, the outsiders. I mean, honestly, these were the people that were in 722 going to overcome the northern kingdom of Israel. Right? These were the same people, Assyria, uh, where Nineveh was, uh, 
uh, these are the same people that would overcome. Now, again, with that in mind, um, and Jonah, again, um, you know, in this time and place, uh, wasn't thinking about that per se, but he very well knew that, as Don was saying, they don't deserve anything. Now, what is grace? What is grace? When we talk about deserving anything, does grace and deserving anything go hand in hand? No, grace oh. is, is when you don't deserve and yet you're still given a wonderful thing. You know, what does it say in the Bible about forgiveness? It says, uh, if we uh, basically, what is that, Matthew, right? Uh, where Jesus says, if we don't forgive, then we ought to think that we aren't forgiven as well. You remember that Bible, Bible verse? I know we always use it for forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. I think it's 16 and 17 of chapter 6, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. But the point is, is that I think when we, when we know the grace of God, when our faith is in what he has given, there we also, in return, show grace and compassion to those around us when we have the proper understanding of that grace. Now, when self-righteousness or entitlement or anything else is mixed into that, then we have a confused picture of what that grace is. And I think a lot of times Christians in general, overall, a lot of them will do the courtroom setting as Don said, like, well, they don't deserve it. They're not good enough. Now, that is a wrong view of what our faith is all about, right? And it's not rooted in our own self-righteousness, but rather it is... It is um, God's grace. Now, here, uh, if we could turn to Luke 15 real quick, Luke 15, chapter 7, or Luke 15, verse 7, and here we see the story of the parable of the sheep. And uh, you all know this already, of course, but um, the parable of the lost sheep. Now, the context of Luke 15 is what? The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling. Right? This man receives sinners and eats with them. Again, they are coming from the, the, the self-righteous uh, angle that they don't deserve. These lowly people, the tax collectors and sinners, um, uh, do not deserve their time. But Jesus is with them. And um, we see the story of the parable of the lost sheep. Um, but if someone could read verse 7 for me. Verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. All right. Yes. Um, and that's the Pharisees she's talking about, the 99, right? And here, that one sinner who repents. Now, what, what is the result? There is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. When we talk about someone who is, and we talked about this morning about Dwayne Maggart. I know Carol was here too, but I know Marjorie brought up that he was uh, baptized and all these things, right? All the gifts that God gives. And what a glorious picture that is. But I mean, for us, it's glory, right? But what about in heaven? I mean, the joy, right, of, of how, the, how everyone uh, in heaven is joyous over this one sinner who repents. Now, for Jonah, if he understood, and again, I'm not trying to bash Jonah too much. Because honestly, I think uh, we can be very Jonah-like in our lives as well, if we really want to be honest with ourselves. Um, we do, right? We, uh, we can be very self-righteous, very judgmental. Um, but we see right now in Jonah, uh, back again, 
we see him failing to understand what this grace is. I think failing to look in, in his own mirror, understanding what the Lord had done for him, and, and there he is in great judgment as he is boiling over in great anger. Right? Um, verse 2 is uh, Sheldon uh, read, um, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So, so when we read verse two, what is what is Jonah saying about God? The attributes of God, or how he describes God? What is he saying about? What does he know about God? What does it say right there? He's slow to anger, and he's gracious. So he's, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster, right? Um, and this is a great, a great faith statement by, by Jonah. He knows who God is, yet what does he do? He says, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Now, what is that about? He knew who God was, by those very characteristics words there, but he fled from that because what? He did not want the Lord for Nineveh. Now, well, it kind of was like robbing the bank and knowing that God wasn't going to forgive him, so I'll do it anyway. In a way, you know, I'll run away from you because God will forgive me, and he'll forgive the people of Nineveh too. I no, I think I think for him, he really did not want them. He did not want anything to do with Nineveh, right? He he thought they were completely evil. They deserved nothing, and there was nothing about that. And again, when we talk about grace and deserving, those go hand in those go hand in hand in the sense of we know that we do not deserve. So who am I to say that they don't deserve God's pardon either? Because God is full of grace. He loves all people and he is, his will is done, right? We, we see Jonah on his journey and he wants no part of this. Right? That's kind of his mentality here. And that's why he ran away. But at the same time, he knew who God was. Now, again, uh, who is God? We see it right here. But what does Jonah desire in this moment? He desires control. He wants to dictate what God does. And he wants to, uh, the Lord said, go arise, go to Nineveh. No, I don't want to do that, Lord. I'm going to run away. I, I know you're abounding in steadfast love and you're gracious, but I, have wa I want no part of that. So it's not like he's ignorant of who the Lord is. And this is, um, uh, again, uh, from the book of Exodus as well, a reference to the book of Exodus. But but here we see him really embattled with his own flesh, but also his, his faith, right? On one hand, he's running away, but on the other, he knows who God is. And I think this is a very important, uh, uh, this is a very important application for us too, because we know who God is, but there are times, many times, that we do the very thing that Jonah does. We flee because we desire our own will, our own control. And though we know who God is, 
we still flee. And this is the reality of our sinful nature. So remember the theme that I told you about a couple weeks ago, the simultaneously sinner and saint, right? That we are at the same time sinner, but we also are at the same time holy and sainted by God through the body and blood of Jesus, right? We are one of his saints. We are the blessed ones. Um, but yet at the same time, we still deal with our... Um, I did this in our devotion this morning, even though it's backwards. Uh, just read backwards if you can. It's a skill I've learned. <laughs> but uh, uh, that in our baptism, there we have received the new life, right? We have the new life in Christ Jesus. According to Noah's flood, 1 Peter 3.21, baptism saves you. That was this morning's devotion about what baptism indicates. Sorry if you have to read this backwards. My bad. It won't be that long. But It's not but, backwards, Pastor. It's forward, oh, right? Everybody, it? you see it properly? Yeah, it looks fine to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You fixed it's fine. it. No, it's backwards to me, though. Wait. Well, yeah, How is it backwards to me? <laughs> that's so confusing. It's not backwards to you? No, no. it's fine. Oh, no, that's no fair. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it's back. To, I, I see on my computer, and it's, oh, maybe it's because I'm seeing on the screen. I, anyways, but, but in baptism, we have the new life. But yet in that new life, Romans 6, that we're uh, buried and raised with Christ, we still face the old Adam in us. And until the end of time, that will be the battle. There we repent. Um, and in faith, uh, again, we rest in the promise of God, his forgiveness, right? And there we are back daily in, in the new life that he gives. So when we talk about the baptismal life, it's a daily, it's a daily uh, living, this baptism is, right? As we continue to uh, daily drown in our sin and be raised to the newness of life, all by repentance and faith, right? And the, the point is to that, as it connects here, is that this is what Jonah's battling, his old Adam, his sinful nature, and also his new man, his faith in, in who God is. And, and I think that is, do you see that in life, in yourself? Like, you know that you are a redeemed child of God, that you are forgiven of all of your sins, that you have the keys to eternal life, but yet at the same time, um, quickly, we point the finger, we judge, uh, we, we, we make grace into something that is deserved, like Jonah, like, how dare they do that, right? And we make quick little comments and quick little, you know, little stings here and there, and, and we become Pharisee-like too, right? And um, we can really uh, be led by our own will rather than God's will, and we desire to have control rather than God really leading us by his very word. And this is the struggle that Jonah is going through. Um, because, I have, yeah, go ahead. Someone? I, have a foot, I have a footnote that says he might have been a little ignorant. He, Like Don said, he wanted the Ninevites destroyed. But the footnote says Joshua did not understand that the God of Israel was also the God of the whole world. Yeah, have, yeah, that's right. So... Yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, think that the outsiders, we call it in the Psalms, the coastlands or those that are outside. Remember Jesus, uh, what does he show about the will of God? To preach repentance and forgiveness to Jerusalem, Luke 24. That's our Ascension Day text, which we'll celebrate next Wednesday. Uh, but uh, that we preach repentance and forgiveness to Jerusalem and to all the world. Baptize all nations, right? Uh, or, or you will be witnesses, Acts 1-8, to Jerusalem, Judea, or Judea, Judea, you know, Judea, Jerusalem, uh, uh, 
Jerusalem to Judea and all, to all the ends of the earth, right? This is the will of God. You're right, Sheldon, that this is God's will, that everyone come to the knowledge of truth, that they may be saved, First uh, Timothy 2.4, right? I think it is. But anyways, maybe, I think. Um, but uh, here we see the picture uh, of, of Jonah really failing to see who is God and what his will is. I mean, he brought him back to do this very well in Nineveh. At that time when they, they repented, this would have been the time where Jonah said, yeah, that's right. The will of God is done. What was I thinking? But he continued to struggle with his own sinful nature, um, with his own human thinking. And again, as, as Sheldon said, he's not part of Israel, the Ninevites, so they don't deserve it. Right? And, and again, we, we can't, we can't limit or we cannot control God. Um, I, I think a lot of times here in Jonah, we, we see this all throughout. And at the end of the day, God is right there getting him back to do the very will that he's called him to do. All right. So uh, continuing on here. Um, and it's and the ironic thing is we see Jonah, right, in, in verse 2 right here. But what about verse 9 in chapter 3, the king of Nineveh? What, what is he saying? Now, it's, it's amazing to me. Anyways, if someone could read that real quick. What are they saying in chapter 3, verse 9, and their posture of faith? I can read that. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. All right. So right there, their, their disposition is one of great, well, it's all, it's all his... It's all by his mercy and grace. If he relents, he relents. If he doesn't, that's God's will be done, right? Um, Jonah's taken the whole engineer. Uh, I said engineer again, Don. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I have nothing against engineers, but I'm I don't. That pastor. <laughs> and it's not a slip either. I, <laughs> it, it just, I, I think he's trying to... Uh, Jonah is is trying to control the situation. He's trying to put every wire to his own his own liking, and it's ironic because the least likeliest of people who would have repented are the ones who are so faithful during this time. And you know, again. This, this goes back to the grace of God and how he works. I think there's a lot of times in life where we see people that we quickly write off and say, nope, lost cause, I give up. You know, Lord, his desire is for everyone to be saved, right? And there the power of God's word works. Nineveh, all of them believed, all by the power of God's word, right? Not by human thinking or our human assumption that they'll believe. No, it's all by the will of God. So we can never underestimate or control or, or assume what God is going to do in every situation. And here right now, we see what? Jonah, the one who seems to be the closest one to God, in a sense of, uh, of being the one directed to give these words. We see him in, uh, in comparison to not only the Ninevites, but also the sailors in chapter 1. How they finally called on the Lord. And Jonah was just there in the base of the boat doing what? Sleeping and forgetting the world, right? So it's, it's ironic, but yet we can empathize with Jonah because we're there with him, 
I think we know, I mean, all you know, right? All you know who God is. He's a God of grace, love, forgiveness, Jesus, right? Uh, the one of merciful care who redeems us by the body and blood, not out of any merit or worthiness, merit or worthiness in us, but, but all out of his fatherly divine goodness that he continues to care for us. And, and that is our God, and we thank him for it. But yet, at the same time, our old Adam does what? Oh, well, not that one, God. That's, that's mine. You're not going to touch that. That's what I want. So you can have all yours, but I just want this for myself, right? Uh, my will still has that little part of me that I, I want to be done. Um, my ways, my thoughts. Lord, um, just let me have this and you can do your thing, <laughs> right? It's, it's so easy to kind of get in that mentality. And, and Jonah's doing the same thing, right? He's, he's trying to say, no, not them, right? And this is really angering him. Verse 3, if so, could read that again. Verse 3. I'll read it. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. All right. So, again, who is the Lord? He is the Lord and giver of? Life. Life. <laughs> so what is Jonah doing here? He's telling God to take his life. Again, another symptom, a symptomatic of where his, his view is of the situation. Um, again, um, God is the preserver of life, but yet Jonah desires death. Um, yes. I think, again, this is the, the moment, the theological moment where we need to be reminded of, of who God is. Like, who is God? Exodus 14, the Red Sea, right? Uh, as the, the horse and the rider were coming after them, right? Pharaoh changed his mind. And there they were at the edge of the body of water. And they were complaining to Moses, leave us alone that we may serve Egypt. For it is better for us to serve Egypt than we should die in the wilderness. Right? Um, and, 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 and the reason why I bring up that text is that Jonah, as well as the Israelites, would rather be bound rather than trusting in the power and word of God. They would rather be bound in their own sinful flesh. Let us go back to slavery, the Israelites said, right? Uh, and, and Jonah's like, well, this is what God did, but I want no part of it. I want him to take my life, right? He, he is constantly looking back uh, to his own flesh as a way to which to find rescue. And taking life, that is not God's desire, right? Um, and again, I think we talked about suicide this morning. We're not gonna get too deep into it. But uh, again, a lot of people, when someone commits suicide, what's their quick reaction? What's the quick reaction from the, from the outside people? What do they say about their salvation or, or, their, or their eternal state? What would they say? A lot of people would say this. I mean, it's sad to hear. They're afraid, they're afraid that they will um, not go to heaven. Or, yeah, I mean, they'll quickly say, oh, they, they went to hell. They took their own life. Right? And again, we never do that, right? We always rest in the mercy of God because it's his, it's his judgment, not, not mine. I don't know the heart of that person. Right? We can't point the finger and be the judge and, and tell where they're at, but rather we trust in the mercy of God for who he is. Verse sure. 2. 
there's absolutely nothing written about somebody that takes suicide that they go to hell. If, if What if it was a Christian that took his life for some reason? Well, there are moments in life where people, it doesn't mean that they, and it's an, it, again, it's a very slippery thing, right? You don't want, it's a very case by case thing. But again, we don't know the hearts of these people and we can't just make a broad, broad sure, statement. But that being said, pastor, if you took your life today, you're going to be in paradise tonight. Okay. Yeah, that's not, that's, well, that's not kind of how it, that, you know. It's the truth. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's not, I, I think, what's the word? I always tell my kids, I'm very morbid, you know. I think that's the beauty of Lutheranism. We're always ready to go, right? Because of the Lord's blood. We always hear Jesus, so we're ready, right? I always say, I, I'm always the passenger in that airplane, ready to go, right? Jesus, Savior, pilot me, right? We're all ready because we don't know when we're going to go, but we are not in control of our lives on when we go. That makes right. sense. God is in control of that. He knows how many heartbeats and breaths we have in life. And, and there we trust. We just continue to endure and, and live out our life in this one true faith. Right. Um, and I think that's a thing when we talk about life, he is the Lord and giver of life and he, the sanctity of life is so important. Um, and that's why we're so um, so uh, conscious driven with, let's say, like abortion and all that stuff. You know, we won't get into that today because, well, that could be a long-winded discussion here. But, but here we see uh, Jonah really just saying, I'm tired of this, Lord. I want my life to be over. Um, in other words, uh, he fails again to see the freedom that, has, that God has gave him, but also those around him, Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I always say this, and tell me if I'm wrong, but when you, let's say you're, you meet someone who you know that's very like, uh, that give you that, uh, maybe it's a Christian friend who says, oh, you know, how have they been? They've been a bad person. You know, I'm not sure if they're children of God, right? Maybe they, I don't know if they verb it in that way, but I know your answer would be, no, no, no. Let's talk about Jesus and of course, right? Uh, of what this is all about, the faith. Uh, but at the same time, you need to ask or look at that person and say, oh, this is where their faith is at, right? That their heart is full of legalism, that they would say these things out loud and say, well, this person is not good enough because he is doing such things, right? And, and you know, I think with Jonah, his understanding of grace, his understanding of the will of God continues to be the struggle through the lens to which he sees, right? Because he is manifesting all, he's revealing his struggle with these very words. Take my life. Um, and the Lord said to him, do you do well to be angry? In other words, um, do you have the right to be angry? Or are you right to be angry? And, um, well, uh, when we talk about anger, uh, I think it very well can cloud our judgment, can't it? Have you ever been angry? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Cain and Abel, right? Beware. Sin is crouching at your door. And in great anger, he murdered his brother Abel, right? Out of great anger. And uh, Jonah is enraged. Are, are you right? To, uh, to be angry. And um, I think in that anger, 
what does Jonah do? What does Jonah do in that anger? Verse 5, so I could read that. Jonah? Out, oh, I'm sorry. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and wanted to see what would happen to the city. So what is Jonah doing? What is he doing? He's getting a front row seat. Yeah. He's getting a front row seat for the, uh, the havoc that he thinks might take place. That's right. Um, so basically, what is he saying about God and his word and their conversion? He doesn't, he doesn't believe it, right? Uh, and he's sitting there. Someone said he's sulking. He's pouting. He's going to the edge of the city, to the east. He's setting up shelter. Well, now, what does that mean, shelter? He is really taking the time to reside in this place to wait for them to, to fail, right? Uh, meanwhile, the Ninevites are what? They're sheltering themselves in sackcloth and ashes. Repentance, right? So, so it's ironic, again, to see the, the position of their... He is sitting down in great anger. That is his posture in great disbelief of God and his word. Whereas those who he is waiting for to actually fail to see what is becoming of the city, they are sitting in what type of posture? Repentance. In, in repentance, in humility, uh, 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 under the care of the Lord, depending on God and his promises. Right? And again, when we talk about Jonah, we, we have great, we, we can relate with him because we daily are embattled with our old Adam in the midst of the new life that we have. Right? We are the new creation, those who are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And when we talk about sitting, that picture of sitting is a great position of of humility in most cases in Jonah's case it was more of I still don't believe it right nope no way not these people nope yeah. even though God called them and they are in sackcloth and ashes and they're repenting I don't believe it and again this is where we see Jonah really struggling um, within his own sin and his understanding of God and his will, right? Um, you know, when we talk about Jesus and the cross, remember this, Jesus's posture, Matthew 12, 41. We talk about the Jonah text in, in Matthew, right? We talked about that in the past. The one greater than Jonah, it is Jesus who weeps over the city as he laments over Jerusalem. Right? Jonah pouts, Jesus weeps. And he takes it further. He dies for them. The ones that hated him. So when we talk about uh, Jonah, we see the greater one, and that is Jesus, who in his posture would go to the cross and die for the sins of the world, even those who hated him. Even those who, from a human eye, says they don't deserve God's grace. Those people that said, Barabbas, Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him, right? He died for everyone. And this is 
how our God is. Radical it is, right, this gospel. I mean, we talked about our, our sermon tonight about uh, the stumbling block to many. I mean, people can't fathom the free grace that God gives. We got to do something, right? We got to do something to get there. This is how it works, or so man says. But God's will is Christ and that forgiveness for you on the cross in his empty tomb. And that is our posture as we sit under his care, covered by his blood, and there we have our life of faith, the Ninevites, <laughs> the most unexpected people to believe, and the most expected one to believe, struggling with it all. Right? And how paradoxical this is as we see Jonah in anger, um, as we um, conclude today. But um, as we see it right here from verses one to five, a quick question for you all. Um, do you see this old man, new man fight in yourself? You don't have to get too deep about it, but do you see this daily struggle? Like I'm a new man restored in Christ, but yet temptation and sin continue to to assault me from every side, that struggle, that tentatio, as Luther would call it, right? That spiritual attack. Uh, do you see, are you aware of that tension? Do you see that tension in life? Of course, all the time. Yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 around us constantly. After all, we're believers, and as believers, this is what we face, right? Uh, all the the spiritual attacks of of the devil and the flesh of the world. Now, with Jonah, I guess my question again would be. Uh, uh, what is my question about Jonah? I know there's a lot covered here, but um, what is it about Jonah that we can, how can we relate to him in his plight rather than just saying, why is Jonah doing this? Um, how does this bring us to repentance as well? As we look at Jonah, how does it remind us to that call of repentance? Anyone? Thoughts. You know, I have a footnote here that says, "Are just like you said earlier, Pastor, are you surprised when someone, unlikely person, turns to God? You said that earlier. Oh, is I did. That your view is as narrow as Jonah's, is what it says. Um, we must all not forget that, in reality, none of us deserve to be forgiven by God. None of us. Not even Jonah. Yeah, not even me. Not even you. Not even the whole world, right? But this is how God works. This is what he does, right? This is, it's not us. It's how he works and promises, right? And, and this is like the greatest, this is where we see Jonah alive. This is who you are, but yet he's struggling with his sin. And I, I think for us, we could definitely relate to that. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. So, I mean, it, I understand why Jonah couldn't wrap his mind around what was going on. Good. Because God I understand. doesn't think like us. So, we don't think like God, so. But we trust in his word, right? Absolutely. We trust in his promises. And this is the life of faith. Uh, do we fall? Yes. Um, does the Lord forgive us in our repentance? Of course, right? Um, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is merciful. So remember that this day. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done for you. The Ninevites are your example. God should have left them for dead. But he doesn't, because this is God's work. 
God's work is the body and blood of Jesus for you. So may that be your comfort in the Lord's compassion in the midst of our anger. There we are convicted, there we repent, and there we are forgiven. So, um, all right. 836, all right. Let us, uh, I know that was kind of short there, but I'm glad Sheldon is back to the table and um, good to see him here. And good to see everyone here again, David, Cecily, Carrie, Don, of course, um, and my wife. I know you're there. I know you're not going to say anything. <laughs> but thank you for joining in, my wife, Lois. I love you, too. So, um, anyways. Oh, so Abe is not Abe. It's his school account. Aha, uh -huh, Lois. <laughs> now we know. So, um, but anyways, uh, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? And Chris, too, of course, sitting physically six feet away from me. <laughs> Let us pray. Dear the Father, we, we thank you for this day, O Lord, that you are uh, our one true God, slow to anger, abounding, merciful in, in your steadfast love. Lord, we know that you relent us from the greatest disaster of eternal separation and sin. Um, bless us, O Lord, in your word. Comfort us by your grace. And Lord, as we fall short... Uh, please, um, in your word, forgive us and, and lead us and renew us um, in your will. Bless our families this night. Grant us your safety throughout these days. And Lord, may you give us faith to reside in the title that you have given to us by your grace. For all these things, we're thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Well, everyone. Uh, hey, Chris. Is Chris a grandma? Again. Congratulations, Chris. Wait, sorry. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Another Seattle baby. My, my oldest son. The oldest son. <laughs> so, um, well, good night, Chris. Thank you for staying. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for playing tonight. That was it's always amazing. Um, but everyone else, David Fessley, have a good night. All right, God bless you. And Sheldon, go Angels in back, number 27. I see him, right? <laughs> Up top, awesome. Yeah. Vlad, that's right. Isn't that Vlad? That's right. Um, Carrie, good night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, helping Eve in the morning. Um, Don, blessings to you. All right, thank you. Bye, Don. Bye, Don. Bye, Karen. Bye, Don. Bye, night, everybody. Bye. 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 Have a good night, everyone. Yep. Thank you.